Father, we thank you that we are your children. You have adopted us into your family. And because of that, we have the Holy Spirit. We are united to our brother Jesus. And as we come now to hear from your word, please be at work. Give us perspective and we're necessary repentant hearts. For we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about parenting, specifically something called family discipleship or the spiritual formation of kids. And uh, something I want to just recognize on the front end here is that parenting is hard. I know this because I am a parent. I have four kids, four girls, an eight-year-old, a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, and a one-year-old. You'll notice the spacing got further each time as we added kids. And it's a great joy to be a dad, but it is also a monumental challenge. And to highlight this challenge of parenting, I thought I would begin by sharing some words from the great philosopher of parenting, Jim Gaffigan. Some of you may know who this is. He says, raising kids may be a thankless job with ridiculous hours, but at least the pay is awful. <laughs> or, you know, the hardest part of parenting is when I'm with my kids. Or he says, you know what, it, you know what it's like having a fourth kid? Imagine that you're drowning and somebody hands you a baby. <laughs> Sounds about right. And finally, I don't know what's more exhausting about parenting, the getting up early or the acting like we know what we're doing. Comedians often hide wisdom behind jokes, don't they? Parenting is wonderful, but it is also very hard, and teaching about parenting can be really tricky. Because I'm standing up here talking, and you just assume that my family has it together, and the things that I'm going to be sharing with you, they're totally working completely in my family, but that's not the case. We have had times as parents where the stars aligned and the kids obeyed, and we just had that moment, and I just thought, you are an awesome dad. But a lot of the time, the rest of the time, I find myself needing to apologize to my children for the ways that I've responded to them. I find myself apologizing for my attitudes and my reactions and for my anger and my frustration. And in those moments, I think to myself, you are a terrible parent. In our parenting journey, we have navigated medical issues. We've been on ambulance rides. Those were fun nights. Spent time in an emergency room. We've received medical diagnoses. We've navigated difficult emotional challenges with our kids, and we are constantly navigating spiritual challenges as we try to teach them about Jesus and help them see their need for deep heart change and repentance, even as we need those things ourselves. All of this, and they aren't even in the double digits yet. Parenting has been one of the most rewarding things of my life, one of the greatest privileges. It has also been one of the greatest challenges. And at some point, I just decided to let my kids in on the secret. I told them, we don't know what we're doing. Kids don't come with an instruction manual. No one prepared us for this. We're just doing our best. And oftentimes, it feels like our best is just not quite enough. 
Does anybody else feel this way? Parenting? Well, today we're going to look at one of the key passages in the Bible about parenting. And my hope is to give you some clarity on your role as a parent and to encourage you in your parenting journey. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. We'll read all four verses, but our time is really going to be focused on verse 4. And in here, we're going to see the role of parents, but we'll also look at some resources for parents, and we will have a reorientation for us as parents and, and for all of us. So role, resources, and reorientation. Follow along as I read these instructions for children and parents. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4, says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, we're going to spend our time today looking at verse 4, but I needed to read the first three verses so that you can understand what's going on here, and I wanted you to see a shift that happens. Notice that in verse 1, the Apostle Paul starts by giving instructions to the children, and he says, children, obey your parents. But then in verse 4, he goes to go to the other side of the parent-child relationship, and he says, fathers. Did you notice that? Because of this shift, I need to point out a couple of things that are helpful before we dive into the instructions. First, it is obviously implied that mothers are involved in parenting. Mothers are vital in the parenting of children. The fact that children are commanded to obey their parents, plural, and to honor their father and mother is a clear indication that both parents are involved in the parenting process. Everyone's good with that. But having said that, Second, there is a clear shift in verse 1 from parents to fathers in verse 4. Two different words are used when it would have been much simpler just to use the same word. So to say parents, children obey your parents, parents do not provoke, but that's not what Paul says. He says children obey your parents, and then he says fathers do not provoke. This is clearly intentional. And it's an important shift that should not be lost on us. And here's what I think it means. Children, obey your parents, both parents, your mother and your father. But fathers, you have a special, primary, and unique responsibility in the raising of children. This does not mean that mothers are uninvolved. Of course they are. But there is a special role for fathers to play in the process. So if you're a father, listen up. These commands are directed at you. If you're a mom, listen in. You're involved in this process too. And everybody else, I know we have people here who are long past the days of kids. Just stick with me. There's something for you here at the end as well. So our passage starts by giving us the role of parents, specifically fathers. And there are two commands given to the fathers, one negative and one positive. The, po the negative command is, do not provoke. And the positive command is, do bring them up. So first, the negative command. 
There are ways of parenting, of relating to kids, especially as fathers, that are damaging to them. And we're told not to do these things. What kinds of things does Paul have in mind? Well, the word provoke, other translations use the word exasperate, suggests parenting in such a way to frustrate and anger your child and develop in them over time settled anger or resentment or bitterness. One commentator puts it this way. Fathers are to avoid any attitudes, words, or actions that have the effect of provoking anger in their children, including excessively severe discipline, unreasonably harsh demands, abuse of authority, arbitrariness, unfairness, constant nagging and condemnation, subjecting a child to humiliation and all forms of gross insensitivity to a child's needs and sensibilities. It's kind of like when we build a fire in our backyard. Uh, my kids love to roast s'mores in the backyard, and it's my responsibility to build the fire in the fire pit. And so I'll gather papers and cardboard and sticks and a log, and I'll build this fire. But I wasn't a Boy Scout, so I don't build it very well. So when I light it, it just kind of smolders a little bit. And so what do you have to do when the fire is smoldering and not taking off? Well, you blow on it, right? And it starts to catch fire and becomes this raging fire, and then, and then it's self-sustaining. What the Apostle Paul is saying is we can parent in such a way as to cause anger and bitterness to continually be encouraged or provoked, like blowing oxygen on a fire, until our kids are inflamed with anger and bitterness. Harsh, oppressive parenting can lead to settled anger and resentment in children, and this was a huge problem at the time. In the Roman world, fathers were what was called the pater familias, which meant that they had absolute power over everything relating to the family. Fathers were allowed to sell their kids as slaves. They could make them work in the fields in chains. They could punish their family members however they wanted, up to and including the death penalty, and no one would question it. Now, um, I, don't, I don't want that to come back. Things have changed since then. There are laws in place to prevent those things, but if we're honest, the actions of fathers today can be just as damaging. I'm sure many of you have your own stories growing up under harsh, oppressive, demanding, unreasonable, arbitrary, unfair fathers who pushed you to a place of settled anger, bitterness, or resentment. Some counselors have a term for this kind of effect on kids. They call it a father wound. And the Apostle Paul says, don't do this. Don't provoke your children to anger. Instead, do something else. Then we get the positive command. Fathers are called to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There are two important words here, and then one modifier that actually changes the meaning, gives further meaning and specificity to the specific, primary, unique role of fathers in parenting their kids. The first word is discipline. Isn't that a fun word? Don't we all love the word discipline? 
This is a broad word. It means correcting children for willful wrongdoing, but also training and educating and directing them towards attitudes and behaviors and actions that will be good for them, that will be healthy. It's a little bit like the tree in my front yard. A few years ago when we bought our house, the front yard was just completely bare. Just the grass, pretty boring. So we thought, we're going to plant a tree in this front yard. And we picked out a prairie fire crab apple tree, this beautiful pink blossoms, flowers. There's just one problem with the tree. It's kind of crooked. Got a crooked tree. We thought it was straight when we bought it, but as it grew, it's, it's a crooked tree. So I've been parenting this tree for the last three years. Several times I've had to put stakes in the ground and ropes and kind of pull this tree into place and tie it off so that it, it can grow straight. A tree needs to be trained, needs to be trimmed, it needs to be watered. And the reality is, because of sin, kids are crooked trees. So are we. We need to be corrected. We need to learn and grow. Our attitudes, behaviors, and actions need to be reoriented, realigned, pulled into place. And that's what's in view here with discipline. I think we, we don't really like the word discipline because if we're honest, we actually want the things that God knows are bad for us that he's trying to grow us out of. And so we think of it as a bad thing, but it's actually a good thing. And fathers are called to bring their kids up in discipline. The second word is instruction. And this is more specific, and it means to put into the mind. Parents, specifically fathers, are called to teach their children, to counsel them about life, to warn them when necessary, to encourage them. And this is done primarily using words. When you think about it, uh, an adult is not just a taller child. Hopefully they've grown and developed. Their minds have changed. They've been instructed. Their minds have been filled with knowledge and wisdom. That's what it means to become an adult. So parents are to discipline and instruct, but those are pretty big ideas. What does that actually mean? What does that actually look like? And that's where the modifier is helpful. And it's this, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This last part, of the Lord, modifies, that is, it gives further meaning to the things that came before it. So what does that mean? Well, as the father of your children, if you are a dad here, you have been given the primary, specific, unique responsibility for the spiritual development of your children for their discipleship in Jesus. That's what Paul has in view here. The primary parental formation of your child's character, their faith development, and their spiritual growth is your responsibility. You need to, be ma you need to make sure this is happening, and if it's not happening, you need to get a plan for how these things will happen, because it's your God-given role. But we're not just left there. God has not just given us a responsibility. He also gives us resources to help accomplish this. Two very important resources that I want to mention that are outside of your home that you have to help carry out this role. 
And the first resource is not directly mentioned in this passage, but it's assumed throughout the entire book of Ephesians. You see, this book assumes the presence of a community called the church. The book of Ephesians is actually an epistle, which means it's a letter written to a church. It would have been held up and read in a church. The readers were called to pursue unity, exercise their spiritual gifts, and walk in love with the people who made up the church. So how is this a resource for parents, specifically fathers? Well, the baseline assumption in all of this is that you are not alone. You are part of this thing called the church. You know, many people wonder today, why is it important to be involved in a church? Why, why does that even matter? And there's a lot that I could say in response to that. But one simple answer that, if we're honest, we all know is true is, you need help. And so do I. You need help in raising your kids, and more specifically, in the spiritual growth and development of your children. Your kids need help. They need other influences around them, people with other spiritual gifts of different ages to show them a bigger picture of God, that give them a stable sense of themselves and of their community. And God has provided this strange thing called the church to help you do that. And it's made up of mostly normal people, not all of them are, but most of them, who love Jesus and want to follow him and who volunteer their time and use their gifts to teach kids, to hang out with teenagers, and to lead groups where people can grow. And this thing, the church, it also includes pastors. And we'll just be honest, these are not normal people. None of them are. We've dedicated years of our lives to following and learning about God, to the study of Greek and Hebrew, to theological study, to the difficult work of studying and teaching the Bible faithfully. Why? Because we care. Because our lives have been so transformed by Jesus that we would do anything we can to help see that happen for others. And our job description, if you will, or one form of it, is found in Ephesians 4, uh, verses 11 and 12, that says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So we exist as a church to come alongside you and help you in this responsibility of bringing up your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Every week, about 22 volunteers come and serve in the kids' ministry and about a dozen more um, help in the youth ministry. And they come prayed up, ready to greet your kids and to teach them about Jesus. We have a, a wonderful kids' ministry that's led by Amber Brinks and supported by Hannah Nealon. And it's full of passionate, kind, loving teachers that want to do one thing, and that's point your kids to Jesus. Do you want to know what the hardest thing about um, kids' ministry is in our day and age? I asked, so I know the answer. It's the inconsistency of parents. Amber shared 
You know, so many parents bring their kids once every six weeks, once a month. They prioritize vacations, sports, education, and recreation above the spiritual development of their kids. Friends, that is a bad idea. And I'm a pastor, so I'm supposed to say that. But I would just tell you, ask around. Ask other people who made those decisions when their kids were younger. And the overwhelming feedback that you will get is always the same, in my experience. It's that of regret. I wish we would have done more to prioritize our kids' spiritual growth when they were younger, and now it's too late. And by the way, I've never had someone come to me and say, I wish we would have prioritized soccer so that my child would have been a mediocre high school soccer player. I really regret that. Never had that conversation. I played sports. I love sports. That's all great. Friends, utilize the church as a resource to help you in your responsibility as a parent. Utilize our kids' ministry. It's great. Utilize the youth ministry. It's great. And that's one way we help in the discipleship of kids in this church. But there's another way, something else I want to um, tell you about that you maybe don't know. The pastors of this church are all dads. We all actually have four kids. Dwayne has four kids, Daniel has four kids, I have four kids, Aaron has four kids. We, uh, JP has four kids. We hired, uh, Daniel, or we hired David Rapp, and he only has three kids, and we had to think about it. We're all dads, and we want to see the kids of this church flourish, to see the faith once and, all, once and for all delivered to the saints, passed on to the next generation. And for the past two years, uh, Pastor Daniel Neeland and I, we have been praying, we have been learning, and developing ways to equip the parents at Deer Creek Church, especially those with the younger kids, to see their faith passed on to their children. Last year, we had our first kind of family discipleship sermon, and that's what this is today. It's going to be a regular thing that we do every year. We rolled out resources for parents. You maybe saw them in the lobby. That's a table of resources that we're giving you completely free. You can take a set for yourself. If you take multiple sets and they end up on eBay, we will know. But these resources have been reviewed by us. They have been tested on our children. Um, They're the guinea pigs for this. And uh, we want to make these available to you so that we can remove as many barriers as possible for you discipling your children. We also started family discipleship groups last year where parents can meet together and talk about the joys and trials of parenting while also encouraging each other in their discipleship efforts to raise up their kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And this year, we're going to continue all of those things, but we're going to add something else. We're launching a family discipleship orientation gathering. It's a really long name, but this is just going to be a gathering with other parents to hear about the ways that we are trying to equip you to do this important role. We will give you all of the free resources. We'll share fun music playlists that we use with our kids and catechism songs. And we'll tell you what catechism means if you don't know what that means. We also have four different family discipleship groups that are starting this fall. You can find the details about that in the, in the booklet that you have there. And this orientation is going to take place on uh, Sunday, September 11th. It's going to be during both of the services. So you can pick whichever one works for you. 
Um, and if you can't be here that Sunday, we'll, we'll offer it on a regular basis. But, but please hear me on this. We are a church that loves children. We also know that fathers are called by God to this specific, primary, unique responsibility of the spiritual development of their children. So we will not apologize for teaching and expecting that. And we will do everything we can to encourage you to that end. So that's one resource. The church with members serving one another, pastors equipping the saints, and the other resource you have as a parent, but one that we all have for every part of our lives, is this, the word of God. You see, the, the two ways that fathers are commanded to bring up their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, those two words are used elsewhere in Scripture for how the Word of God functions for us. So the word for discipline is the same word used in 2 Timothy 3.16, which says about the Bible, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, and for training, it's that same word discipline, in righteousness. The word for instruction is the same word used in 1 Corinthians 10.11, which says, now these things happened, referring to Old Testament events, to them as an example but they were written down in the Bible for our instruction. Same word. On whom the end of the ages has come. So here's what that means. Both of the words for how we are to bring up children are used for the tool, the resource, that our Heavenly Father uses to bring us up. As you read the Bible or hear it taught, you should be challenged and convicted. You should feel yourself being pulled into alignment graciously, patiently, just like that crooked tree in my front yard. That's the Lord's discipline in your life, and it's good for you. As you grow, your, your habits, your behaviors, over time, inconsistently, but gradually, should more and more move into alignment with the Lord. That is Jesus. And as you read the Bible, the word should instruct you. Your understanding should be developing. Your mind should be changed as you learn new things. Your thoughts should, over time, more and more come to reflect God's thoughts. That's the Lord's instruction in your life. This is true for fathers and parents, but for everyone else as well. The word of God, the Bible, is a resource for all of us to help us grow up in the faith. But the question is, are we utilizing it? Do you ever read it? Are you here almost every week to sit under Bible teaching? Are you exposing your kids to the Bible, parents? How can we bring up our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord if we aren't positioning ourselves to be brought up in those things? It's all very sobering, isn't it? This parenting thing. We are called to raise children crooked trees when we ourselves are crooked trees. We're called not to provoke them to anger when we can hardly control our own anger. Or at least I can. 
And we're supposed to discipline, to guide, and correct their behavior when we struggle with our own attitudes, actions, and behaviors. And it's our job to instruct them, even when most of the time we, instru- we struggle to understand these things ourselves. Seems like a really bad plan, doesn't it? To put me in charge of needy people? Are you kidding? This is a bad idea. This brings us to our, our reorientation that I mentioned. Do you want some good news? Our God not only gives us the responsibility of raising kids, he also gives us the power to do it. But not in the way that you would expect. You see, Jesus left his home in heaven with his father. He came and was born into a poor family in a barn. He became a child with parents who, just like you and me, got it wrong all the time. But he obeyed his parents and his heavenly father perfectly every time. Even when facing the same temptation to become angry with his imperfect earthly parents. And he grew up. And he moved towards a cross. And he faced the temptation there to disobey his heavenly father. And yet his response was, not my will, but yours be done, father. And he went to the cross and took upon himself our sinful disobedience to God and to our parents. He died, was buried, and yet three days later he rose again to new life. And the results of this are many. But one of them is this. Those who have faith in Jesus are adopted into God's family. And this means that we now have the Spirit of God living in us, leading us, even as we parents. And we have Jesus as our brother and God as our heavenly Father. And this reality of adoption into God's family, it reorients everything. It turns what you think about parenting completely upside down. We think the key to being a good parent is found in Better Techniques, the newest book from a renowned child psychologist where parenting principles, life hacks, or behavior modification, and many of those things are great. But the deeper truth is that to be a good parent, you first have to learn to be a child. Author Dan Allender uh, wrote a book a number of years back about parenting, and the title is just brilliant. It's called How Children Raise Parents. He says this, God intends to reveal himself to us through our children as much as, if not more than, he intends for us to teach our children about him. Unless a person, especially an adult, has the faith of a child, he or she will never enter the kingdom of God. What a radical claim. Unless we approach Jesus as a child, we have no hope of inheriting the kingdom. Friends, there is only one great parent, and it's not you. It's not me either. The truth is, you have a heavenly father who cares for you perfectly, who never provokes you to anger, 
and who graciously and patiently pulls crooked trees into alignment. And the reorientation is this. We think we are raising kids, but God is actually raising us. And he's using our kids and everything else in our lives to do it. So as you parent, remember that you have a heavenly father. And then only then will we be able to imitate someone in our parenting. Only then will we have the power to change and grow and to become the children that we desperately need to be so that we can be the parents that our children need. Parents, we want you to know you're not alone on this difficult, wonderful journey of raising kids. We are with you. There are other families experiencing the exact same things. We have a church full of people who have walked this road before you, and the pastors here want to be a resource for you as you practically flesh out, what does this look like? How do we do this? And I hope you can join us if you're a parent, elementary age kids and younger, on September 11th as we seek to do this together. Let's pray. Father, it is amazing that you tell us to call you that. Our Heavenly Father, we need your help. Holy Spirit, we need you to be at work in us and at work in the hearts of the children in this church. Convict us where we have strayed. Pull us back into alignment. For our sake, for the sake of our kids, and for your glory, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.